You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Total Commitment. Hello my radio friends. I'm so glad you've tuned in today because you want to hear more from God's holy word, the Bible. You may have heard various stories about how God miraculously delivered some people from certain disasters. They're great stories and make us realize that God is interested in us as human beings. We are his creation, so... It shouldn't be any surprise that he does intervene in our lives at times. In Isaiah 65.24 is a text that has intrigued me. It says, talking about God's people, Before they call, I will answer. You know, that's happened to me. Before I even approached God in prayer, on one occasion he had been busy in my case for months, preparing to do something wonderful for me. And I praise him often for that. I once read a short but powerful statement that went like like this. Some people treat God like a lawyer. They only go to him when they're in trouble. Yes, God has helped some people out when they're desperate. But unfortunately, many of those who receive the help soon forget about God and continue in their merry old ways. And that's a pity. I believe that we should not be in the business of trying to manipulate God for him to help out to conform to our will, but instead we should conform to his will. As we commit ourselves to the Lord, then we will recognize that our will is far less important than his. The Apostle Paul once wrote, and it's found in 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then face to face. Although Paul was writing about how we will better understand the plan of salvation later on, his point is very relevant. Because God sees the whole picture. No facts are hidden from him. He knows what we do and the motives we have for doing what we do. When I was a child, as I've previously mentioned, I lived on a farm. My father bought a new tractor and I was allowed to drive it. In fact, I took every opportunity to drive the tractor, even though I was only 10 or 11 years old sometimes spending the whole day alone working up the land. As a child, I used to pray, and I read my Bible, and I had a strong conviction about the existence of God and the importance to comply with his will. But one night before going to sleep, I sincerely asked the Lord that when I went to heaven, could I please take the tractor with me, so I could drive it around up there. Now I understand that what I asked for was quite ridiculous, 
and that the Lord would not answer that prayer. You see, in effect, I was trying to convince God to comply with my will rather than me complying with his will. And that's the main point of this program. When we totally commit ourselves to God, he will give us what we need. Now, here's a question that's bothered many people. What is the will of God? Well, the answer is found in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. It says this, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. And then the rest of that verse goes on to give an example, explaining that people should not indulge in immoral behaviour. So then, what does sanctified mean? Well, sanctified means to be pure, morally right, holy, acceptable to God. So how can that happen? It comes as a result of our choosing to do the things God approves of. And here's where the Holy Spirit is involved, as he guides us to make right choices, and, as well, he motivates our consciences. And further to that, God has made his will very plain for everybody to know. It is expressed in the Ten Commandments where it has been placed before humanity of what we are and are not to do. Those commandments cover our physical actions, our motives, our thoughts, our responsibilities, in fact everything we do. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 adds to what Paul wrote in Thessalonians. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's good will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Put in a nutshell, God's will for us is to obey him. At the end of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught to his disciples is this statement, May thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Total obedience is what happens in heaven. So total obedience is what should happen on earth. Now, I know that might sound negative, as if God is some tyrant whom we must please, like it or not. But that's not the case. If we honour, serve and obey God, it is for our own benefit, because he has our best interests at heart. The psalmist in Psalm 40 verse 8 wrote, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Here he expressed the sentiment of doing God's will as a pleasure, not a burden. The prophet Jeremiah has been named the weeping prophet, and he was given unpopular messages to deliver to the Israelites who had turned their backs on God. Yes, they continued to carry out the religious rites and traditions, 
but it was all form and ceremony. They had turned their hearts away from God. So this is what he instructed Jeremiah to say to the people. And it's found in Jeremiah 6, 19 and 20. Hear, O earth, behold, I will certainly bring calamity on this people, the fruit of their thoughts, because they have not heeded my words, nor my law, but rejected it. For what purpose to me comes the frankincense from Sheba and sweet cane from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor are your sacrifices sweet to me. The Israelites had disobeyed God and chose another way, contrary to his will. Here I want to share something that really bothers me. I know people, some, who are my friends, who are religious and regular church attenders. Yet these same people disobey God. They refuse to acknowledge and keep the fourth commandment about giving God their full commitment by disregarding the time God specified for worship and for honouring him. They have put in place of what God commanded another time and try to convince themselves that that's good enough. To me, to fully commit oneself to God requires keeping all of what God commanded, not just, say, 90% of it. In effect, what many people do is like saying to God, You know, God, although I choose to disobey you, yet I still expect you to bless me. That's not a fair deal, is it? In Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23, is a short statement by Jesus about a judgment scene. This is what he said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now this is a very serious issue. Here Jesus is talking about people who took on his name. In other words, they were Christians. Then he points out that these people did many good works, yet... They were unacceptable in his kingdom because of just one important thing, which is clearly pointed out in verse 21. They failed to do the will of God. In other words, unless we keep the will of God, all our church attendance, all our good works, all our post posturing as holy people is a farce. It is unacceptable in the eyes of the Lord. There's no question about it. The Ten Commandments are not just a list of restrictions. They are a concise statement of God's will. 
Read Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 to 23 carefully for yourself. Ask yourself if those verses might apply to you and why. If you, for example, are not keeping God's holy Sabbath, you're not doing your God's will, but your own. And when you read those verses, you will probably notice that Jesus said many come up with excuses of what they do or did in his name, but yet are rejected from entering God's kingdom. I'd like to suggest here that many probably refers to the majority. If that is so, then here is what Jesus said. The majority will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I think you can see here the importance of being totally committed to the Lord. You might be a faithful church attender. You may even be an elder, deacon, or pastor in your church. Or you may be doing charitable or philanthropic work for the less fortunate. But you know, that is not enough. The important thing that decides whether or not you will enter the kingdom of God and be given eternal life is your personal relationship with the Lord, including fulfilling God's will in your life. If any of you fail to keep all of God's Ten Commandments, then I suggest to you that you place yourself in danger of being excluded from receiving eternal life. Now, here's a little caution. I'm perfectly aware that in some church groups the Ten Commandments have been modified to suit the particular teachings of that church. We're going to stop here and I'll go on with this straight afterwards.
Just before the break, I was talking about some people who do not keep the whole revealed will of God. And uh, I know some of these people quite well personally, some of our, some of my friends. But I'd like to mention, first of all, the Lutherans. Now, I have a Lutheran little catechism, and in there I can see they have adopted the Roman Catholic version of the Ten Commandments, where the original intent and meaning has been changed and other parts excluded. Get yourself a copy of the Ten Commandments in the Bible, like in, say, the New King James Version, where there's been no modification. Otherwise, you might be misled by a dishonest translation of God's holy word. And then, when you know what is right, if you are honest with yourself, you have no choice but to do what you know is God's will. Some of you may like watching television programs like My Kitchen Rules or MasterChef. Let's say Gordon Ramsay has a new apprentice, you. You are to make a black forest cake. Gordon Ramsay gives you the recipe and all the instructions and you set out to make the cake. When everything is mixed and ready, you pop the cake into the oven. The recipe says the oven is to be set on a medium heat and the mixture needs to be baked for 50 minutes. If, however, you decide to disregard that instruction and you bake the cake for 10 minutes, what would be the result? Well, firstly, the cake would be a disaster, and secondly, Gordon Ramsay would tell you to get lost, to get out of his kitchen and never come back again. And he could say a few other unflattering things too. I see this scenario something like the judgment scene Jesus spoke about. No, we cannot go through life saying, I know God said I must do this, but I will be excused because I'm doing some other good thing. He'll be happy with that. Don't fool yourself. God will not be mocked. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14 is a statement about those who will be part of the Lord's kingdom. The text reads differently in different versions, so I'll quote from firstly the New International Version of the Bible and then from the New King James Version. First of all, the New International Version, Revelation 22, 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they might have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Now the New King James Version, Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Blessed are they who do God's commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. The main difference is in the two expressions, wash their robes and do God's commandments. Firstly, what does wash their robes mean? 
It's easy for people to put a little twist on the wording of this verse to say that Christ washes our robes with his blood, his sacrifice and his righteousness for our unrighteousness. He does it all. But the verse doesn't say that. The text speaks about our washing our robes. Our washing means we must be involved. We cannot just sit back and think that Christ does everything. Action is required on our part. We must make the choice to accept and then to apply what Christ has done for us. In having accepted Christ's gift of forgiveness, we still have a role to play. As we accept his righteousness, we are required to live righteous lives, right? And how does one live a righteous life? By being obedient, by being fully committed to the Lord. The New King James Version goes right to the point. Those who inherit eternal life and who will occupy the place Christ promised to prepare for them will live righteous lives. And how? By keeping God's commandments, of course. This idea is reinforced in Revelation 14:12, where it says that those who will occupy the city of God are referred to as the saints. And the verse goes on, This calls for patient endurance of the saints, who obey God's commandment and remain faithful to Jesus. God has clearly outlined what we humans are required to do. We are to keep his commandments, all of them. Don't think about trying to get around them. Just keep them. If you really want to please God, if you really are committed to him, you need to do what he says you are to do, nothing less. Our title to heaven is the righteousness of Christ imputed. Our fitness for heaven is the righteousness of Christ imparted and practiced. The outward evidence of the righteousness of Christ imparted is compliance with the commandments of God. But here I have to say too, it's no use to try to keep God's law to be saved. We are to keep God's law because we have been saved. My friends, if you expect to inherit eternal life, you need to make a full commitment to the Lord. Don't hold anything back, because if you want to hang on to some of your sins, or if you attempt to twist any of God's commands for your own convenience, based on what I understand the Bible says, you do so at your own jeopardy. I want to make an appeal, especially to all you listeners who regard yourselves as religious. With God, it is all or nothing. Jesus gave his all for you, and you need to give your all for him. 
unless we are fully committed, like those who claim to having done good works in Christ's name, will be rejected. Eternal life is not like playing a dice game. It requires our commitment. And it's my prayer that if you realise that you've been holding back on God, that you'll step up to the plate and do his good and perfect will. With that, we must stop. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will lead you to make the decision to make a total commitment with no restrictions to God, who loves you so very much, and do what he has commanded.